put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hi there, and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. I'm your host, Winston Weber, and I'm here with Mike. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing well. It's so good to be with you today, Winston, and uh, I'm excited about our topic today. Dude, I'm super excited. We got a great topic today, a topic that I think a lot of people think they know a lot about, and yet we're oftentimes confused. I'm oftentimes confused because this subject is so big, and yet it's something that we deal with on a regular basis. This is, what is the church? Mike, what is the church? I'll tell you what, it, it's it's a big topic. You know, 1 Timothy 3.15 says that the church is the household of God, and it is the pillar and support of the truth. Mm. And we want to just cling to the truth today, point people to the truth today. And really our aim today is simple. It's straightforward. We want to explain the nature of the church universal. So that might not be the term that everyone uses all the time, right? But we want to gain a better understanding of the invisible universal church and then how how a local visible church fits into that picture. Um, And it's for a reason. There's a so that. So that members of the local visible churches operate in the most biblical fashion possible, all to the glory of God. I see. So we we have a division that we're going to tackle. We have the church universal, the big church, the big C church, and the little C church, the local church, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, this seems like a subject that all of us should know more about, and yet we're constantly being confused. What's that all about? Yeah, isn't it true? I think there's probably no other topic in the Bible that feels more like hugging a whale. Uh, Jonah, maybe? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah, feels more like hugging a whale than trying to understand what the church is. And I think partly it's because of the sheer number of people affected Mm. and affiliated. Uh, I also think it's partly because there's two primary uses of the word church biblically. You've got the capital C church, and you've got the lower C church. The capital C universal church and the lower C local churches. And and I think a lot of people just assume they know and they don't really think a lot about it. And so we want to help people think more about it today. Great. So uh, we got a big C church. We got a little C church, church universal, local church. Uh, you know what? Let's start big. Talk to me about the church universal. All right, good. Well, so look, okay, so our aim is that people would understand what the church is. Yeah. And I think when most people hear the word church, they think of a building, right? Mm. Uh, biblically speaking, a church is not a building of brick and mortar. It's about the people. Uh, but what is the church? Okay, so let's think about Christian theology. Let's think about the area of what is called ecclesiology. That is the doctrine that concerns the church. It's from the Greek word ekklesia. That's a general term, right, referring to a gathering or assembly of believers. So the first subject of ecclesiology is defining the term church and knowing its nature and purpose. So, so what exactly is the church universal? It's comprised of all who have been born again by the Spirit of God. So all who have come to faith in Christ alone by grace alone. And so Christians. Actually, it's, it's comprised of Christians. In fact, being more specific, we'll narrow it down. The church is comprised of all who believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son and trust him as their Lord and Savior. They believe the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose on the third day and has ascended to the Father. And he's coming back with blessing for those who believe and judgment for those who do not. It's all believers who are indwelt by the Spirit of God. This is the entire body of Christ, everyone who knows the Lord, all true born-again believers in Christ who are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and and we're one in Christ. Now, here's what the Westminster Confession says. Hmm. Defines the church from the viewpoint of election. 
So it says, the universal church, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Okay. It's like Louis Burkhoff said in his systematic theology, the church universal, that is the church as it exists in the plan of God. And as it is realized only in the course of the ages, was conceived as consisting of the whole body of the elect who are in course of time called unto eternal life. So seriously, at the end of the day, only God knows. OGK, you've heard me say this so many times. Only God knows those who belong to the church universal. And I think that what happens is people don't grasp that part. And if you fundamentally misunderstand that, it trickles down into local churches. Really? And then you get real convert confusion over the nature of God and the authority of Scripture and the priesthood of believers and other things. So it, that seems, I mean, trust me when I say I believe you, Mike. I do believe you. But that <laughs> seems huge. How could someone mis, misunderstand something like the church so badly that it would disrupt their understanding of the nature of God? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would just say if we don't stick really close to the Bible and what it says about the church and just go on assumptions, we're going to think, you know, God is somehow um, the way we envision him in our minds rather than how he has revealed himself in Scripture. Mm. And, and, and look, it's a big topic. I would just say the topic's important because of what it's more important than what people think. And it, it's like this. You've got, I think you've got a lot of people who think, you know, I'm just an independent contractor. I'm a Christian. I can go wherever <laughs> I want. And they they kind of go from church to church because they're like, you know, I'm God's gift to the body of Christ worldwide I'm not lo- anchored in any local assembly or anything like that. I, I'm just, I'm not under anyone's authority except Christ. And, you know, I'll go here and there and dabble and sample like a smorgasbord. But I think one of the things about a local church is you have a plurality of biblical elders mm-hmm. that are overseeing a church and guiding it in a biblical way. And that, that believers who are part of the big C universal church need to be in those those local assemblies. So speaking of local assemblies then, we, we've now moved from big church, big universal church, and now talk to me about a local church. What is a local church? Sure. So we're talking about the difference between the church, capital C, and a church, lowercase c, okay? And there's many uh, lowercase c churches. Uh, we're talking about the visible and invisible church. So you're speaking of a church, right? Theologians often use terms such as the visible and local church as opposed to the invisible and universal church. Mm. So the visible and local church is, of course, you know, these physical churches we can see all around us and around the world, and then the members of those churches. So the invisible and universal church, and I'm going to restate here, but refers to all believers everywhere, and is one church united in Christ, not not many physical churches. So everyone in the local church should be a part of the universal church, be true believers. But as you know, in local churches, there are believers and unbelievers mixed in. So kind of to differentiate, we have the universal church. Everybody who's in the universal church is a believer. Absolutely. But people inside local churches, not necessarily. Those people can be just showing up to church on a Sunday morning for whatever reason. Kind of the wheat and the tares or the sheep and the goats and all that, gathering on earth. So the church universal is comprised of all professing believers. That's the umbrella under which the local assemblies exist. And as we know, there's a lot of diversity, right? And <laughs> the quality control might not be at its best right now. But, yeah. but God is in charge of his church. And, and, and 
you know, he knows what he's doing. I mean, we mess it up, right? We mess it up. I mean, of course, you and me, Winston, we don't, but there are oh, people no. out no, there that course. do, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even even though we, we even over-organize the church, and God's the one building this church, right? He's building this church. Mm-hmm. And the local church is part of the invisible church universal, and, and it's visible, mm-hmm. okay? So I'll put it this way. I'm kind of close with these ideas before you get to your next question. A church is a community of born-again believers. Yeah under qualified leadership, biblical eldership, who gather regularly for worship and growth and outreach. It's a localized expression of the body of Christ that lives daily in relationship in a community. It obeys the head of the church, Jesus Christ. It engages in preaching the gospel, in teaching, in baptism, in the Lord's Supper, in church discipline even. So the true church of Jesus Christ, wherever it organizes and gathers, organically speaks of Christ in a local way. Uh, collectively impacts the world globally. So you think globally, you live locally, right? So, sure. So if I can jump off script here for a second, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I, I love, I love Jesus, and I love, you know, uh, the Universal Church, even. Uh, but you know, I'm not huge on that whole organized religion thing. I'm not huge on the organized church, and you kind of touched on that a little bit, but how would you respond to somebody who says, you know, I, I love Jesus, I just don't like organized religion? Sure. Well, a lot of times what they're saying is, you know, I love Jesus, but people really bug me, okay? <laughs> people are so sinful. People are so warped. They, they make so many problems, and, and that's the thing. You, they People are looking for the perfect church, and mm. the minute we walk into it, it's not perfect, it's not perfect anymore, anymore, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I think a lot of it is the, a misunderstanding that everything doesn't have to look perfect, and mm. that it, it's going to look d- in disarray at times. Yeah. And, and God's in charge of his church, and you look at these the confusion, really, over what the church is. Um, people use the term, you know, all over the place, and they don't actually stop and think about it. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about how, you know, religion and, you know, the church, like, those things do kind of go together. But, like, we talk about the big church, we talked about the little church, and how the church really isn't a building. It's not brick and mortar. It, can you expound a little bit more on that? Absolutely. Great point. So here's the deal, okay? The church isn't a brick-and-mortar building, but it is a building. Uh, Mike, read it. <laughs> and I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Okay. It's a building, okay? So the church is not a brick-and-mortar building, but it is a building. It is God's building. God is building something, and, and we're called living stones. We're part of that building. So think of it this way. Paul focuses on ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, in the letter to the Ephesians. So... You look at Ephesians, and Ephesians answers the question, what is the church? So in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 19 to 22, the main metaphor Paul is using is of a building. Okay, He's saying it's the household of God. And, and Christians are a part of the household in the sense that they've been adopted into the family of God, which is another image in Scripture uh, to describe the church. But here the focus is on the household of God. In chapter 2, verse 19, it says, We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hmm. So built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So Paul is saying, okay, the foundation of this building called the church is made up of prophets and apostles. That's the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles. Now why? Well, it's the prophets and the apostles were the agents of revelation by which God spoke to his people. They mm-hmm. delivered the word of God, right? Mm-hmm. So the foundation of the church is the word of God. We have to pay close attention to scripture. 
and attacks that are leveled on the integrity and authority and sufficiency and truthfulness of Scripture are actually attacks on the church's foundation. Mm. So, so, and here's another one. Um, Jesus Christ, this is uh, Ephesians 2.20, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, cornerstone. right? Yep. So to have a church not built on Jesus and the word of God is to build a church on sand, not rock. Hmm. So the foundation of the apostles and the prophets is necessary for the entire building of the church to stand securely. You take away the cornerstone, though, everything falls down. Hmm. So it says this, going on in verse 21, In Christ, the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place by God, by the, for God by the Spirit. So the church is, is a temple... Built by Christ for Christ. Hmm. You know how they, what, what is it, the, what was the car company that had the uh, built for? Built by, Ford Tough or whatever. Something like that. But it's like <laughs> you know, the church, the, the temple, built by Christ for Christ. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You can see the slogan, right? We got uh, it. Sure. Okay. Sure. So here's the <laughs> I'll, deal. I'll etch it in later. <laughs> so Paul isn't saying the church is a building made out of stone. Okay. He is saying we are living stones. First Peter two five, right? So every believer is part of this church, just as each stone is part of the building. And the church here, get this, get this. The church is still under construction. I remember when I was a kid mm. in Downey Lakewood Boulevard, there was this boat in the back of someone's house that was always getting constructed. It was like Noah's Ark, or something, you know? and it's like for <laughs> years, years, it would <laughs> never be finished. And then when I was living in Irvine, there was this guy that was building. It was called the Crone Street castle and he was building this house <laughs> and it was it was never done and there were like stairways to nowhere and balconies yeah. to nowhere but it was never done right so here's the deal the church is still under construction hmm. every day new stones are being added people are getting saved so this new temple will not be finished until jesus returns and christ is still building his church but he doesn't add cement to the mix he adds people hmm. who are stones that hold together in him. You know, he's the glue. And so Paul continues on. Let me read Ephesians 3, 14 and 19. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, hmm. so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul's explaining the doctrine of the church so that we can understand who we are and what God has done to make us who we are. We are part of the church that God ordained from the foundation of the world. We are the light of the world. And so as the church, the fellowship of citizens of heaven who are the household of Christ, walks in the power of the Spirit, and get this, gathered in local assemblies, mm. visible assemblies, under a plurality of biblical elders, preaching the word of God, administering the ordinances, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, practicing church discipline. Then the people of God shine forth as the light of the world, mm. and people see that, and as Matthew 5.16 says, they give glory to God. Mm. Now, it's interesting because you, you've just been talking about the building up of the church and how you know, we're all stones, and I love that picture, but... I got to be honest, Mike, we're talking right now, and it seems like there's a lot of deconstructing of the church going on. Right. <laughs> right. There seems to be so much division. I mean, there's so many denominations and so many, you know, assemblies of yada, yada. Like, how can that be? If we're all being built together, why do we see so many denominations? 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, that's a big question. Uh, you got the proliferation of so many Christian denominations. You got the proliferation of false churches. Uh, again, probably bigger topics for another day, but let me say a couple things about it. I think partly because of different understanding of different doctrines in the Bible. Okay. okay? Things that aren't essential for salvation, but that Christians are going to grapple with. Partly because of human sinfulness. I think mm. we have that in the play uh, in the major part, and partly because... As people scattered around the world, uh, the gospel goes into every culture, right? Yeah. Fits into every culture. And sometimes the expression of the church, while there are certain constants, some of the peripheral things don't always look the same. So I would just say, suffice it to say, there's a lot of confusion out there. Huh. We don't want to add to the confusion. <laughs> you know, a lot of people claim they belong to a church. Hmm. And, and you go, well, what qualifies a local assembly as a real church beyond 501c3 status, right? <laughs> you're brothers and sisters in Christ. You're the body hmm. of Christ. There's body parts, uh, uh, not in, inconsequential, not insignificant, some with greater honor, all under Christ, the head. Yeah. Uh, we're the bride of Christ, hmm. which looks, looks at, the, at the church. And, and uh, Ephesians 5, uh, the Christ in the church, a beautiful picture of God preparing his bride. And we know how messed up it is on earth. But God is in the midst of a sanctification process of every of every believer and of the church as a whole. Mm. And, and I just want to say one more thing before we move on. The early church had a litmus test of what comprised a real church. And they said a local assembly, really, of regenerated people led by a plurality of elders, and I've said this like five times, <laughs> I think it's so important, uh, who were preaching the word, who were administering the ordinances, who were practicing church discipline, and they were united for common worship and common witness in the community. Hmm. And I just think that understanding all of that actually helps you understand who you are in Christ, what it means to be a part of a larger church, and helps you be healthier in your local church. Interesting. Now, you, you just said something that I, I think a lot about. You said the early church had you know this litmus test. But to be honest, like there seems to be this huge gap for me. You know, it's 2019. We're Grace Church of Orange, but that huge gap, the 2,000 years in between now and then, how are we supposed to understand that? I mean, it seems like you had so much corruption and so much focus on this you know, universal church, and how do we guard ourselves against thinking about this huge, magnificent church universal? Boy, I'll tell you what, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if we do not grasp church history, we are bound to repeat the mistakes of church history. You've got sinful people in the mix. Hmm. You've got a holy, sovereign God overseeing it all. That's the only reason the church still exists. We would have blown the whole thing up. Uh. Okay. Now, here we are in 2019. That's where we fit in church history. And, this and podcast is going to get dated pretty soon. <laughs> exactly. We are, we are in a pretty eclectic time. Hmm. Uh, but God will always have his faithful remnant. Okay. Uh, right? The church is God's idea. His household, his building, uh, a growing body. It's not a rotting corpse. People will say the church is dead, right? No, it's not a rotting corpse. It's a growing yeah. body. And, and, and it's a bride. It's not an afterthought. And so mm. I think we have to be really careful and we have to have good understanding. I think we have to be humble, bold as we affirm our beliefs about the church. I like what Louis Burkhoff said in his Systematic mm. Theology. He went on to say this about the church. He said this, the church as it actually exists on earth was regarded as the community of the saints. Mm. And it was not only the invisible church that was so regarded, but the visible church as well. 
These are not two churches, but one, and therefore have but a single essence. The one as well as the other is essentially the communio sanctorum in Latin, uh, the community of the saints. But the invisible church is the church as God sees it. Mm. A church which contains only believers, as we said before. So it's the church as God sees it, a church which contains only believers. But he goes on to say, while the visible church is the church as man sees it, consisting of those who profess Jesus Christ, it's the professing church, and they are judged to be the community of the saints. And then he ends with this, this may and always does contain some who are not yet regenerated. Mm. There may be chaff among the wheat. Well, you've given me a lot to think about, Mike. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time and spending it with your intern. Uh, Do you have any closing thoughts for us today? The esteemed pastoral (laughs) Winston Weber. No. And by the way, I love your bow ties. My favorite is Mm. the wooden bow tie. Yes. I wish you were wearing it today. People, just so you know, he's not wearing it right now. I'm wearing a collared shirt, at least. I'm wearing a collared shirt, So a couple closing closing thoughts, I would say this, is, is the person who understands they are part of the universal invisible church yeah. can be a better and more healthy part of a local visible church. Mm. And one of the tasks of a local church plurality of elders is to help people understand their part in the universal invisible capital C church. Mm. Uh, your leaders in your church should always be fostering a deeper understanding of the local church and your commitment to it. And it's in submission to your local assembly, humble, bold, servant leadership, elders. Uh, You're lovingly being held accountable. You're lovingly holding others accountable. You're on mission for Christ and the gospel wherever you are. But we just know this. Bottom line is the future of the church is very bright because God is sovereign and he will prevail. Uh, The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Uh, People can do whatever they want to it. It will stand. The Holy Spirit indwells the church, right? And so Christ will continue to build his church until he comes again. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you all for listening to the Ordinary Church Podcast. Uh, Next time we'll be talking a little bit more about the local church and what our role in that local church should look like. Thank you all. Have a good one.